Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss the Uncanny X-Men Annual number seven, cover price of a dollar. This one's uh, on sale September 27th of 1983. The cover date says 1984. And uh, this one's titled Scavenger Hunt. And I feel like this is where the annuals start to not matter. Well, definitely. Uh, I had meant to take a look at annual number eight, uh, just because I don't remember what annual number eight is, and I still don't. But this particular story definitely does not matter. In fact, I would be surprised if this is even officially recognized in uh, X-Men canon, to be honest. Well, I mean, clearly it is. it references the last few issues a few times. Um, it clearly has a place in the chronology. Like they talk about what just happened with uh, the mastermind. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So clearly it takes place after that. Well, right. It's not a standalone adventure. But there's just a few things that happen in this issue that kind of take it out of, uh, well, you know, breaks the fourth wall, I guess. We should cut to the last page so you can read the the credits. Yes. For some silly reason, they decided to put the credits at the end. And in some stupid joke, they said that they made a big billboard on top of Marvel that said Scavenger Hunt. And then they put up a ton of credits. Oh, man, get ready. Settle in for this one. Mix yourself up a drink. The plot and the script were by Chris Claremont. The pencils were by Michael Golden. Except for pages uh, 28 through 32, that was done by Brett Belvins. Uh, inks by a whole crap ton of people. Michael Golden, uh, Tom Mandrake, Bob Wiasek, Terry Austin, Brett Breeding, Tom Mandrake, Bill Anderson, Joe Rubenstein, Steve Lailoa. Did I get it right, Adam? I don't know. Lailoa. <laughs> Lailoa. Sam De La Rosa, um, the Rube, he uh, whoever that is. Uh, That's Joe Rubenstein again. Ah, okay. Uh, uh, Big Al Milgram, uh, Brett Dark Crystal Blevins, and again Terry Austin to to finish up the last two pages. Um, and then the there's no room on this this box for for anybody else. So the narrator here has to tell us that uh, Tom Orzakowski did the lettering, except for pages 31 and 32, which was done by Mike Higgins. <gasps> Glynis Ween, though she did cover the coloring. Natch, Natch, <laughs> bringing Natch back. Uh, we don't have really a good idea as to who the editor is, uh, but we can well, guess that it's Jim Shooter. Or Kim Shooter. Well, that's the editor in chief. Ah, right. The, the editor of this one is uh, Elliot Brown, who is the person that is speaking to us in these in these things, and he is Louise. Uh, what's her last name at this point? Jones. Yeah, soon to be uh, Simonson, but Jones at this point. Her her assistant. Yeah. So 
He got to do the annual woot. Yeah. Is this assistant editor month or something? He does say that he, uh, uh, all the other editors went to a convention and they left him behind. So he was able to make some creative decisions. Um, I I don't, I'm guessing that that's a joke. I think so too. (laughs) Not a funny one, but a, a joke nonetheless. So you already know that like this issue doesn't matter and is definitely not taking itself seriously. Um, at the end of the, the, the issue here, after we go through all those credits, he blows up the sign. The title. Oh, the title. Right. So really, we could say that the title is Boom. <laughs> yeah. So let's flip back to the cover of this thing. And it's a, it's a boring cover. Um, you've got Colossus. Well, you got all the X-Men kind of rushing in, attacking a green dude. Um, Cyclops is in this issue or in this cover, but is he actually in the issue? No. Yeah. So this cover is by John Romita Jr. Who I'm assuming they said, Hey, John Romita Jr. Draw a panel of the X-Men fighting. Well, I, I won't reveal who it is, but, uh, cause it, it's sort of a surprise, I guess. Well, <laughs> not if you, I mean, okay. So we, I won't give it away, but if you're looking at the cover and you're familiar with this type of a character, you would know instantly who it is. That's true. It's like a, it's a, it's a green dude with a purple outfit and a big cone head. I thought this was a DC character. Oh, really? But I guess not. I mean, I bet there is a DC character that has is exactly like this, right? As there often is, but apparently this is this is not it. Did they change Storm's uh, headshot in the in the uh, little headshots up at the top to be a side panel so we could see her mohawk? It does appear to be that way because. Her original headshot was uh, a shot of her head on with her long hair. Oh. Um, it's uh, Kitty Pride has the wrong costume, so again, kind of lends credence to your idea that someone's like, "Hey, John, draw a cover, the X Men fighting this green dude." All right, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. And the worst part about this cover is, like, in the foreground is Wolverine, but it's, like, the back of Wolverine. It's a bad drawing of the back of Wolverine, too. <laughs> so it's pretty silly. <laughs> um, if, and, if if Wolverine wasn't in this cover, it would improve the cover, like, by 80%. Yeah, you can kind of see what's going on. Maybe, maybe if Wolverine was turned around and he was, like, between Storm and Cyclops and Cyclops, or I mean, sorry, Rogue and Cyclops and Cyclops was a little smaller. Then we'd have like a nice action panel. But Or maybe if Cyclops wasn't on the cover and Wolverine was in the Cyclops position. <laughs> well, that would make more sense. But uh, yeah, and then the other thing, I big problem I have with this cover is uh, the overuse of black. I feel like this was just a rejected panel from the comic book that they just flapped under the cover. It could be. <laughs> when uh, when Chris is like, John, Johnny boy, Cyclops isn't in this issue. <laughs> oh, damn. Well, I'm not drawing it over again. That's all right, buddy. We'll use it as the cover. <laughs> it's an annual. It doesn't matter. Well, let's crank this thing open. Um, I have already forgotten. Who was the primary artist on this? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot uh, of artists, but the primary. Michael Golden? Michael Golden. What else? He's done other things, though, hasn't he? Yeah, he did the annual uh, 10 of Avengers that we liked. Oh, this has got elements of that, 
but it also has elements of not being good. Well, Jeremy, it also has 15 different inkers. Ah, that's a good point. I wonder why they did that. They were they're just really on a tight rush to get this issue out, so they just gave random pages out to inkers. Maybe everybody's at the con. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Well, we open it up, um, and uh, it's a classic baseball scene, but it's kind of weird because you see like this guy in the middle of Kitty and Storm who looks like maybe he's a G.I. Joe. <laughs> I kind of have the same feeling. It's just the camo. <laughs> he's he's a big muscular dude who doesn't look like Peter to me. And he's got like a can- camo tank top on. I do believe that Michael Golden at some point drew G.I. Joe. Oh, that could be. That could be. Uh, Kitty doesn't... As a matter of fact, if it wasn't for the star of David around her neck, I probably wouldn't even be able to tell that this is Kitty. There's the occasion when you can't tell that this is Kitty throughout this issue. Yeah. Uh, Mostly it's pretty accurate, but yeah. And and the the, um, magic, or what what is her name? Uh, Ilyana. Ilyana looks like a Flintstone or something. (laughs) Uh, Lockheed, though, in the foreground, he looks really good. Yeah. It's a great Lockheed. I think he started with Lockheed, and by the time he got to uh, Colossus, he's like, eh, <laughs> let's get this over with. But yeah, batter up. Uh, the teams are drawn up. It's three on three. You got... Uh, oh, it's three on seven, it would appear. Is it? Well, I don't know. It's hard to tell. I, I can't tell if this is... Uh, considering the odds, we should be winning the game, says Storm. And then the caption says, at first glance, the side seems do seem a bit uneven with Nightcrawler, Wolverine, and Rogue facing their three fellow X-Men, Kitty Pride, Colossus, and Storm, plus their mentor, Professor Charles Xavier, and his true love, Ileana, Colossus' sister, oh, and his true love, Lilandra. <laughs> right. Let's not get confused. Jeez. That was a major faux pas. Uh, Colossus' sister, Ileana, not to be confused with Lilandra, and Kitty's Pred Dragon, Lockheed. Now, I feel like Lockheed is definitely not playing. Right. And I feel like the professor's probably also not playing. And Lilandra, I mean... doesn't look like Lilandra's playing. She is wearing like a Mets or a Yankees jersey. I can't tell which because I don't know baseball. Um, but she doesn't strike me as the type of person that would play baseball. But uh, it's still, you know, Ileana and Kitty. So it's five against three. All right, we'll give you that. Well, they pitch... Uh, Rogue pitches the ball. Knight, or Colossus hits it. And uh, it's going into outer space no uh wolverine is the pitcher don't be confused by the fact that rogue is the largest person in this panel with a catcher's glove you're right she's outfield the professor comments i must say wolverine chose his team brilliantly nightcrawler's teleporting ability enables him to be anywhere on the field in the blink of an eye well, Rogue can fly after any ball he misses, and Wolverine is the sneakiest pitcher I've ever seen. Good shot, Peter! Right, and so after all of that dialogue, Peter hits it, and Nightcrawler, it's too far away for Nightcrawler to teleport to, and uh, Rogue decides not to fly after it. I'm lazy. <laughs> and so they're like, well, just went into orbit, but then we see the ball starting to drop from the sky. But as it gets closer, it, it looks a little bit more technological than a ball. Looks kind of like a Death Star-ish sort of thing. Sort of. looks like a, the bottom of the Death Star with a city on top of it. 
Belindra says, That's no ball! Shara and K-Theory preserve us! It's a ship! And this ship is quite giant. It hovers on top of the mansion. And out from the ship appears a green and purple Galactus. Well, they got it half right. <laughs> he does have purple in his outfit. I, so I'm, I'm, I'm just assuming I'm, this is a coloring snafu. Yeah, I mean, you know, they had like 12 inkers. They probably just had a colorist, colorist who was unfamiliar with Galactus. Well, even though it did say Glennis Ween was the only colorist, maybe she was like handing out pages to people too. And when they asked, who colored all this? She's like, oh, I did. I did all this work. <laughs> Well, he says that he has come in peace, which is weird. It's Galactus, after all. He eats planets at him. Lalandra freaks the F out. Galactus! But the professor says, well, he said he came in peace, so maybe I should mind probe him. And uh, he registers a psychic null, almost as if he doesn't exist. I sense another presence. I'll attempt contact. And then his face gets all plasticky. He yeah. gets hit by some sort of psionic blast it's of a sort. really weird. He gets lifted out of his chair and his head goes all stretchy. Uh, the perspective here doesn't help out the situation either because it looks like he just has little little tiny legs <laughs> flapping in the wind. If there was a sound effect, which there isn't, I would assume that it would be... <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the professor goes down. And the X-Men spring into action. Hell, Professor, he's in a deep shock. The, uh, I better take him to the infirmary, because I'm a doctor. He's a doctor. <laughs> and I, even though I, I, even though in the previous issue I brought him to the, uh, into the, the infirmary by bamfing him in, this time I'm not going to, because he's in deep shock, um, which he was also in last time. <laughs> but um, this time it looks worse. Yep. So I'm going to walk him there. And Galactus is being kind of childlike. He's like, wow, this is neat. Talking about Storm. She created a storm out of nowhere. I've never seen a human do that before. So well, that's weird. Well, has has Galactus ever met Thor? Oh, God, by this time? Sure. You think so? Hmm. Well, okay. I don't know. I mean, he's certainly met the Fantastic Four. I mean, I guess I don't know what Galactus's lore is with the Avengers, but I, I, I guess I don't know. So maybe he is. Like, maybe he's never seen mutants. Maybe he just uh, assumes that everybody is invisible, rocky, flamer, or stretchy. Yeah. Could be. <laughs> I'll buy that. Or silver. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep, definitely. Although he's not a human, but, you know. Eh, close enough. So he's like, uh, hey, dudes. I require the use of your domicile. So get out of my way. This is our home, Galactus, says Storm. We shall not give it up without a fight. And he's like, whatever. You were warned. And so he lifts up his hand, casts out a ray, and their house is gone. So apparently Galactus, he's just having a little hors d'oeuvre. Did he, um, did he take the pool or... Oh, oh no! The, I guess he took half the pool. Yeah. Why is why is the water solid? Ah, that's a really good question, Adam. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Do I, they have like a metallic pool cover? I'm very uh, confused about what I'm looking at here. Maybe it's that blue tile, but whoever drew this one decided not to draw the tiles in. 
Maybe it's another coloring mistake. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, but uh, yeah, at the bottom of their whole, I guess he took the everything. He took the danger room. He took the sub basements. Uh, remember, there's there's a catacomb that leads to the hangar, which is pretty far away. Uh, that's not here, so he took all that. There's a pier somewhere. <laughs> yes, we saw that in New Mutants, but I don't see that here. Yeah, it's gone. He took it. Sucker was as good as his word. I'll give him that. He wanted the house. He took it. Uh, somebody asks, what should they do? I'm and, betting it's Nightcrawler. Well, what do we do now? And no, he's the one that says, Unglaublich. Uh, so I think this is Rogue, maybe, who says, what should we do? Oh, okay. And I think it's Storm, maybe, that answers, we go get it back. Chapter two. Oh, my God. That was a riveting first chapter, by the way. There are many chapters in this episode. <sighs> <laughs> yep. They're on the uh, the Blackbird and the, the professor flying. is awake and he is tracking. He says that the, the mind is very easy to track. Uh, it's unlike anything else in the world. So they are now following it to S.H.I.E.L.D.'s helicarrier. That's weird. Why would, why would Galactus go to a S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier? And what's more, they, the professor detects that he's on the helicarrier. So how does he even fit? Must have shrunk. Well, Lelander uh, briefed us on Galactus, is what Storm says. Um, the but, professor thinks to or says to says out loud, "But is that who we're after? Galactus consumed worlds. What need has he for a house, even ours? And see where the psionic trail is leading us." Shield helicarrier. Dang. So Nightcrawler and Kitty vamp aboard the shield. Uh, helicarrier. Maybe they're going to use some of that bamfing uh, kitty phasing and they'll, they'll bamf together. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's, that's right. We've nightcrawler can't teleport to where he hasn't seen because he might accidentally teleport in the middle of something. Oh, well, there you go. Maybe with kitty holding on to him, he can now teleport anywhere. Mm. And if they teleport in the midst of a wall, they can just walk out because Kitty will will phase. Right. I want to draw your attention to uh, something I just noticed, which is the panel on the last page above the disappeared house. I would like you to take a pick, uh, take a glance at Colossus's giant chin. Okay. It's funny looking. Michael Golden likes chins. It's very cartoony chin, though. Right, anyways, uh, yeah, so they're heading over to the helicarrier, but aboard the helicarrier is uh, Nicholas Fury, of course, and his girlfriend, Contessa Valentina Allegro de Fontaine. I guess so. And uh, she's got some champagne. She's wearing nothing but a bathrobe. And in a sequence of very sexy panels... Crossed over with some very non-sexy panels of what looks like a stereo. I don't know what this is. What are what are these things? Is that like a record player? Is what? that like a a shield computer? Why are we intercutting to a shield computer? I don't get it. Uh, I don't know. So it's Contessa. She's hanging out. Then you've got the stereo, which you right is a crazy contraption. She takes a drink of her bubbly. She walks over to Nicholas Fury. She lets her her. Uh, her um, 
uh, gown drape open so that we can get a good glimpse of her cleavage. We get a very phallic-looking cigar amongst uh, an ashtray and another uh, glass of wine. I think she put down her glass and and Nick put down his cigar. Cigar. They are getting ready for something. She goes in for the kiss. Then we see her lips. Then we see the shield computer, which is weird. Uh, And then Nick Fury gets on top of her. And then we get a silhouette. And after that is when Kitty phases in. And she's like... Hold it, Buster. Whatever you're doing in here, cut it out. What the blazes? And she is not talking to Nick Fury. She is talking to a... A um, thing. You you said phallic. (laughs) Yeah. A giant phallus that has a, a head. And teeth and what looks to be like a snake tongue. Yeah, it's weird. It's very weird. <laughs> uh, it pops out of somewhere. We we see the pop anyways. And it's like, uh, no, I won't let you stop me. Too much is at stake. And he bursts through the wall, I think. No, no, no. The that, is, that is not. That is. See, this is a very poorly constructed panel. I was confused by this too. But that's actually Lockheed blowing a hole in the door. Oh, and then the, the the green thing transforms into a Indian chief statue and pops out of the uh, and fall goes through the through the airlock now. Let's call it an airlock because it's a big hole in the air. Uh, and while he's an Indian statue, he says Geronimo. Right. Which is I don't think this would fly in today's comics. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Seems pretty insensitive. So we did see when they, when we saw the silhouette of them kissing, we saw a hand reaching for the back of Nick Fury's head, and that oh. was that was this green guy. Oh, that makes sense. I just thought it was Contessa like pulling him in for more loving. No, okay, that makes sense <clears throat> because as if you look at the angle of the hand, she would have to have like magic hands. Well, we've already established that there's some art issues with this with this particular <laughs> issue, so. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't do anything for me. Kitty says, oh, what an Indian. How'd he do that? Oh, no, wait. Maybe she doesn't say that. Somebody says that, but there's no arrow. Let's just say Nick Fury says that. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is someone's apartment. That man, that woman. What have I done? I can never unsee this. <laughs> and Nick Fury, who is now missing his trademark eye patch, is like, what are you doing here? I want an explanation. Ah, uh, uh, I, I didn't read. Nightcrawler, help! And he teleports in just as Dum Dum Dugan and some shield guys come in to be like, what's going on in here? <laughs> Damage control, sealed him, reaching a hole in. Holy Mother McCree, where'd he come from? He says to Nightcrawler, who bamps into the room. Oh, this is not going very well at all. Storm will not be pleased. Everybody points their guns. A and... and I'm teleporting away. Goodbye. And so he grabs Kitty and Lockheed and they teleport away. Oh, I'm so embarrassed I could die. <laughs> and all the shield people are like, what's going on here? Where's your eye patch? Nicholas, your eye patch, it's gone. Nicholas is like, oh, it looks like it was a panty raid, but those superheroes are getting out of hand. It looks like danger con- or damage control is a bunch of guys in wearing uh, face masks. 
Yeah. So whereas like Hydra has, you know, random thugs, these guys have random heroes. Well, S.H.I.E.L.D. has agents, but I don't know. I guess I don't know that maybe maybe in this day and age, S.H.I.E.L.D. works with damage control. I know eventually damage control has its own comic. Oh, I didn't realize damage control was a separate thing. Well, Jeremy, let me tell you, damage control is, as far as I know, they are the agency responsible for whenever superheroes destroy things. Damage control comes in and cleans it up, and they are funded by the government. Seems like a very expensive operation. Probably. Meanwhile, in the Savage Land, do you think it could mean, Adam... It definitely means chapter three, but I I think it also means what you're thinking it means. Oh, I can't wait until we get there. Um, Meanwhile, a Tyrannosaurus Rex is eating some pterodons and stomping on a Brontosaurus. Yeah. It's very violent in the Savage Land today. Very exciting. Um, Is this Kitty now? Is she now with... uh... Yep. They have taken the Blackbird somewhere else. Wow, the Savage Land is everything you guys said it was. You probably feel right at home here, huh, Lockheed? <laughs> he says. Kitty's costume uh, is a little bit different than last issue. I mean, she's still working on it. It's still got this blue vibe going on. But now she's got like some like eye domino mask thing going on. She didn't have she's, that last issue. She's practically Shadow Cat. She's almost there. She's getting it. She's working it out. Um, yeah, so they, they land and, uh, the professor, I guess, is probably in the airplane and he's, uh, our query is making an effort to hide his trail Wolverine, follow him. So he's mentally talking to the X-Men. I don't go in the savage land. It's lame. None of this makes any flaming sense. What could he be after? Heads up, troops. Two people moving in fast and closing. Lilandra pulls out her lightsaber. I mean, energy sword. <laughs> Vramp. <laughs> and Wolverine pops his claws. Sneak it. Sneak it. And that's when a woman we haven't seen in a long time shows up. Shanna, the she-devil. Friends of yours, Kevin, darling? Is sight for sore eyes under the circumstance, Shanna O'Hara. Allow me to introduce the uncanny X-Men. I am Kesar. You haven't noticed a slightly kidnapped saber-toothed tiger any beer by any chance, have you? Someone had swiped Zebu. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for the Kazar dialogue. Oh, I wish he had more dialogue. <laughs> I'm gonna miss him. <laughs> yeah, they're like, nope, we haven't seen we haven't seen Zebu. We're looking for Galactus. We think not really. We're just looking for a dude. We're looking for a dude who is apparently a shapeshifter. This is going to sound real loony, but while I got no idea who's doing this, I think I may have figured out why. The creep steals our mansion, Colonel Fury's eye patch, and now Lord Kassar's pet. I bet you it's a scavenger hunt. Somebody says that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. Oh, oh, that, oh my God, that was Kassar. That's <laughs> the silliest thing I have ever heard. You got a better idea, Lord Kesar? Now Any I, of you? Now I have no more dialogue. <laughs> I have no more dialogue in this issue. <laughs> X-Men, please leave. Now you go. Leave my savage land. Bring back Kesar at some point. You mean Zebu. Zebu. <laughs> I apologize. I use my own name so frequently. 
I used it again. <laughs> I miss myself sometimes. Uh, the professor's like, yeah, yeah. All right, let's go north. Uh, Rogue's probably right. <laughs> well, that's, since, we did, we, since we preempted that the title was Scavenger Hunt, I'm going to have to say she's probably right. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then Chapter we, four. Uh, did we, we mention chapter three? We did, I think. Yeah, you said uh, not only is it the Savage Land, but it's also chapter three. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we are just whipping through these chapters here. Oh, chapter three was two pages. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't even two even. full pages. It was a page and three, like four, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, four, fifteen sixteenths? Oh, I don't know what you want to call that. I would go seven eighths on this one. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, so chapter four starts off with an alarm, and it turns out that the Avengers mansion is being broken into. Uh, there's like a, an Avenger car, the Fantastic Car, the rather. Fantastic Car. Whoever this is already stole the Fantastic Car. And it's sitting out front, and it's filled with a bunch of costumes. Which we only know through the dialogue, because this, di- this doesn't look like costumes to me. It just looks like a colored bunch of crap. <laughs> it looks like a pile of color. And uh, we don't see it on the screen, but apparently She-Hulk can see that I recognize those people. It's Colossus and Rogue from the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. But but uh, Jarvis is there. But Miss She-Hulk, Colossus is an X-Man. They and the Brotherhood have always been bitter foes. So She-Hulk jumps to the only conclusion that Colossus has left the X-Men and joined the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Right. <laughs> so she... Well, ro- no, to be fair, she says, looks to me, Jarvis, like somebody switched sides. Now, she could think about maybe maybe Rogue has switched sides, but no, no, you're right. It must be Colossus. Yep. And so she runs outside, and uh, Rogue and Colossus are kind of following this trail of costumes, and uh, that's... What the- Colossus is picking up one of Ant- uh, what, uh, Wasps. Wasps. Uh, costumes, and she says, what need has he for women's c- costumes? What need have the Avengers for so many? What the heck? <laughs> and, I only have one outfit. And it is very, very dirty. <laughs> so just as they're about to try to figure out what's going on, She-Hulk grabs Rogue and smashes her into the ground. Which is really preemptive on She-Hulk's part. What is her problem? Well, not only that, she doesn't know the limitations or possibilities of Rogue's power. So, I mean, if this was just a normal human that could fly, Jeremy, like, this woman would be dead. I guarantee She-Hulk has read the file. <sighs> You're probably right. It's the Avengers. What do they do in their downtime? They read the files. Everybody always reads the files. You're right. She probably knows more about Rogue than Rogue knows about herself. You're probably right. Forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> so she knew that Rogue was almost invulnerable, so she smacked her on the ground. And that's when she goes to punch Colossus, whom she did not read the file on, because Colossus is able to stop her punch and push her backward. Well, she doesn't need to read the file on what she thinks are good guys. Ah, good point. Colossus, metal. Okay, got it. <laughs> I'm good on this one. So then we hear a skark. Skark. And that's uh, what, and we get Iron Man. Excuse me, fella, but didn't your mother teach you to be polite to ladies, even mean green ones? Apparently, Iron Man is no longer an active Avenger, but since he was out and about and he saw this, he's like, I'm not going to let my old friends get trashed. So that's when he interfered. 
not only I mean, not only is he not an active Avenger, but it's not Tony Stark. Well, at this time, as we will find out very shortly, this is uh, it's Rhodey. It's Rhodey. We don't care. We <laughs> <laughs> yes. know him from the movies. Yeah. Yeah. Is, they don't actually refer to him as Rhodey in this. I think it's James Rhodes is his name. Yeah, He'll always be Rhodey to me. Anyways, that's what, that's what uh, Tony Stark calls him in the movies. Hey, uh, Rhodey, what's up? And so flipping our attention to yet another Marvel mainstay, we visit Doctor Strange, who is in his sanctum sanctorum. And he's, he's we see him meditating underneath his... Uh, the the piece of his roof that is like the eye of Agamotto, and then somebody steals that big circular piece. Um, I guess they call it a window frame, sigil window, and um, and then the the comic goes all Ghostbusters. Totally, it's like that scene when Walter Peck goes in the bottom in the basement. And he's like, "Shut it off, shut it all off," and the electrician's like, "I don't know if I should. I've never seen anything like this." And he's like, "You worry about your job, and I'll worry about my job." And he cuts the power, and boom! That's when that song plays. I believe in magic, magic, and all the ghosts are flying around. Remember that scene, Adam? I do. Remember that song? It's just like that. <laughs> I remember that the song is really lame. <laughs> the song is super cool. You got to go back, man. Uh, to the 80s? No, thanks. <laughs> no, you have to go back and watch that movie because that song like embodies all like B-grade 80s pop music <laughs> because it was never on the radio. And it's clear that they blew all of their money budget on Ray Parker Jr.'s song. So every other song in there is just totally bad. But it's so bad, it's good. The soundtrack is good, though. I really like the uh, the, the not the not the, the regular music, the 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 score. Oh, you like you don't like saving the day? I I, I like the score. <laughs> <laughs> saving the day is fun. Um, actually, a couple days ago, two days ago, I restarted Ghostbusters the video game for PS4, PS4, or PS3, PS3. Yes. I played a little bit of it for 360, not as much as I would have liked to have. Uh, I would like to play it because, you know, you, you get to interact with the people and their voices and everything. But It's not terrific, but it's fun because you get to – I don't want to say it feels like they're all phoning it in because I heard an interview with Bill Murray where he, was, he actually had a really good time. But um, it kind of feels like they could have worked a little harder on it maybe. Uh, they, re they revisit a lot of the same stuff that the first movie revisits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, I guess, makes sense for a video game. But, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I only got as far as where you're fighting the Marshmallow Man, which I believe is like the second stage. It may not even be the second stage. That game is long. Oh, is it? Because I played mm. the part where you're in the, the, the apartment, not the apartment, but the uh, the building, and you're yeah. fighting the Slimer for the first time. I got past that, and then you're like running along the road, and there's like the the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, and here well, like and you went to the Cedric Hotel, right? Yeah, yeah. So I didn't make it very far. No, not really. <laughs> you finish. You beat the the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man fairly quickly. Yeah, and yep. then it gets it gets more original. You revisit the library. That's cool. Um, 
And and the best part about the game is that you get to be a Ghostbuster, and it's kind of fun. Well, yeah, yeah, and the, the yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm they did a, with they you. They did a good job with being a Ghostbuster. So yeah, I have to go back and play that game. But anyways, uh, we we rejoin the Avengers. I would like to point out that we never find out what happens to all of these ghosts that just got released into the city. <laughs> I don't even think we, we rejoin uh, Doctor Strange, to be honest. Doctor Strange poops his pants, but <laughs> who knows if in the next issue of Doctor Strange, he's like, oh, man, I got to reclaim, get all the, it's like a Scooby-Doo, the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Remember that? No, I don't. Oh, that was the greatest cartoon ever. It was 13 episodes long. Holy crap. They uh they they discover this chest and of course Scooby and Shaggy open it and it releases thirteen ghosts into the world and the go they're the real ghosts they're not these uh, people dressed up as ghosts and now the gang have to go rescue all of the ghosts rescue the ghosts or uh, recapture them into the chest got it it's it's actually um it was when I was a kid it was really awesome. Uh, upon rewatching a few of the episodes, it's quite terrible. <laughs> awesome. And I don't think it lasted its 13 episode run. <laughs> that's, that's bad. It's... But I loved it. When I was a kid, I was, I'd watch it religiously every week and I had a checklist to make, see what all the ghosts they captured were. Wow. It does sound like you were into it. I was really into it. I was really disappointed when it disappeared, <laughs> but they didn't capture all the ghosts. <laughs> They're still out there still out there to this day uh so anyways they the after they take colossus out the uh iron man and she hulk they look up and they're like what the heck if you will allow me to explain a wasted effort colossus these jerks will never listen and that's when rogue grabs uh she hulk by the face and absorbs her powers and splits her costume open and she gets all green and gigantic. Which, I don't know, this feels like a little out of character for Rogue because the last number of issues she's been like, ah, I'm afraid of my power. I don't really want to use it. So like, this is like the first time where, as an offensive measure, she's reached out and grabbed somebody else's powers. Maybe she's not really thinking. She just got slammed into the ground and she's just kind of acting really quickly. Yeah. I don't know. You're right. So uh, Iron Man gets distracted, and while he's distracted, Colossus grabs him and slams him on the ground. And that's when Kitty phases up from the ground, short-circuiting Iron Man's costume, or his outfit. And uh, they're like, okay, we well, we got to go. And so they leave. I got to run. When I phase through things, my power disrupts electrical circuits. Sorry. <laughs> Iron Man thinks to himself, why me? <laughs> Master Iron Man, how good to see you again, sir. I've summoned the rest of the Avengers. This is most unnerving. I never dreamed the X-Men might become villains. I hate to say it, Jarvis, but I've got a feeling we all jumped to the wrong conclusion. From the way they talked, they were chasing the real crook. If we hadn't interfered, they might have caught him. Jarvis also says... um, talking about She-Hulk. Could you convey her to our infirmary? The medical computers possess the necessary data from the Avengers' last encounter with Rogue, asterisk, in Avengers Annual Number 7. I believe that to be a typo. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) To deal with her affliction. I do believe that they mean Avengers Annual number 10. But this is X-Men Annual 7, so maybe that's where they goofed. Uh, I mean, with as many people as they had working on this issue, one of the sit-in editors was like, Annual number uh, (laughs) 7. That's fine. That's good. Uh, I took a stab in the dark. Maybe mean, I was right. Maybe I was wrong. Meanwhile, you have somebody who's like really infatuated with Rogue who's like, oh man, I want to read every issue with Rogue. And so they're combing through the back issues, buying Avengers Annual number seven. They're like, Rogue's not in here. No. <laughs> How will I ever find out what Jarvis was talking about? I'm going to have to read every issue of Avengers. Yeah. And still not find it because then I'll have to get the annuals. So, anyways, they take off, um, and uh, Kitty phases through the floor to a building. A few blocks down Fifth Avenue. Oh. Oh, it's the the Hellfire Club. Which I believe is geographically accurate in terms of uh, how they generally position the Hellfire Club and the Avengers Mansion. Uh, But, yeah, they, they break into the Hellfire Club, and they note that... On a table is Emma Frost, who is in a coma. And we saw this a while back, potentially not in X-Men number 175, but an earlier issue. Oh, uh, yeah. They say, after we captured Mastermind, X-Men 175, Professor Xavier learned that Miss Frost had been one of his first victims. Not sure how he figured that out. We must have created the worst illusion to put her in such a state. I know she's a villain, a leader of the Hellfire Club, but isn't there anything we can do? Slightly out of character. (laughs) The professor offered his help, but it was refused. To my mind, kitten, it's no less than she deserves, says... That's a line I'd expect from Wolvie, not Aurora. She sounds almost glad. Yep. Why, Why is Colossus helping Kitty up through the hole? I just want to touch her waist. <laughs> yeah, she probably feels the same way. I just want him to touch my waist. This is this is pretty hot, I gotta admit. I got a dragon on my head and my man on my waist. <laughs> yeah, so I don't remember exactly what issue we saw this, but we we did see Mastermind uh what did we see him put Emma into a coma? No, we never saw that. We just saw her in the coma and I believe it was uh what was the what is their name the not the black queen but the um the 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 woman who with the black hair who's always at the hellfire club tessa 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 was telling sebastian shaw she arrived and then she passed out uh and that's when we heard like laughter on the wind or whatever right that's a storyline that that they apparently just quickly wrapped up and now are just thrusting us into the middle of i i believe that the White Queen is going to wake up shortly, and I wonder if they will talk about how she does. Well, this White Queen has some green and purple flowers around her neck, which is pretty weird. <laughs> uh, Wolverine does comment, Storm's change is more cosmetic. She's wilder, tougher, walking mine and Yukio's road. Wish I could be sure that's right for her. It's really none of my business, though. And Wolverine is like, hey, this bouquet of fresh flowers, something ain't right. And he pops his claws. Wolverine! What are you doing? I I, I reversed those. But that's okay. <laughs> and the flowers, they ain't real. And the flowers pop up and turn into a green and purple water pistol and shoot Wolverine in the face. And it says, Gotcha! 
<laughs> That's when Sebastian Shaw jumps in and he says, This is private property, X-Men. Your trespass will cost you dear. The squirt gun has now turned into what looks like a green and purple balloon. I think you're right. And starts kind of floating away. The X-Men don't really seem to notice it. Maybe Colossus does, but the rest of the X-Men don't. They turn their attention to Sebastian Shaw. Robe, who I guess hasn't really encountered him yet, runs after him and starts punching him. And then we get a quick uh, summation of Sebastian Shaw's powers yet again, because this is the only time he tells us about his powers is when somebody hits hits him. Hey, when you hit me, I get stronger. Yep. Na-na-na-boo-boo. Kinetic energy and, and junk. Uh, which look, at, does... look, at, look at Wolverine when uh, the guy turns into a balloon. He's still wiping his face off. Ugh, water. My only nemesis. Um, so Nightcrawler, he apparently, I don't know how this is expected to work, but he's like, there are ways to defeat you, mine hell, without a striking blow. So he just teleports all around him for some reason. I don't know. Is he just trying to confuse him so that he'll fall over or what? Well, he's probably like swinging punches and stuff and missing and, and therefore exerting energy. Oh, okay. That could be. Sure. It's not really well conveyed in this panel, but okay. Like many things in this issue, it (laughs) is not very well conveyed. Um, The balloon floats over to the uh, costume on a mannequin, which is the costume of the Black Queen as worn by Dark Phoenix or pre-Dark Phoenix Phoenix. It forms itself into the costume and then turns into a rocket and blasts off and disappears. You all look like you're having so much fun. I wish I could stay and join in, but I'm late and I've got lots of stuff to do. Bye. Vaz? Peace out. Nightcrawler gets punched in the stomach by Sebastian Shaw. Now they finally notice this rocket thing and it flies through the ceiling. Storm casts some weather power and uh, he's like, okay, the shapeshifter is kind of making me mad. So here we go. She sucks all of the X-Men up through the hole in the ceiling. Sebastian Shaw promises revenge, and the X-Men are like, we'll be there, waiting. Old scores here must be, must wait to be settled another day, says Storm on the way out. And that's when Sebastian Shaw says, that day will come, Windrider, and sooner than you think, you can count on it. So, kind of gearing us up for a uh, uh, another Hellfire ride, it would seem. Chapter 5. Ooh, that was a long chapter, Chapter 4. Comparatively, yeah. yeah. So now they're on 575 Madison Avenue, which is the offices of Marvel Comics. Right? Well, it was. But apparently it's empty. They're gone! Well, they're all at a convention. No, no, they're in their new offices. Oh, this is their old offices. Uh, the green being who is now in his original form from the cover. Um, I don't know. I guess if you know who he is at this point, you know who he is. But we'll we'll, we'll save it. We'll save it for the big reveal <laughs> for whatever that's worth. He uh, wonders where all his friends at this at Marvel Comics went. And then he notices that there is a piece of paper on the ground that says on april 24th 1982 marvel moved <gasps> oh my gosh 
Not too far away, the blackbird is flying through Manhattan, and somebody says, thank, oh, I think the professor says, thank heaven for your Shi'ar cloaking device, Lelandra. No one notices the blackbird, no matter where she goes. My pleasure, Charles. So the first of potentially many Shi'arian upgrades. I've already stolen your danger room. (laughs) I just haven't told anybody yet. So Colossus is going to help Rogue get up or something, and Rogue's like, oh, my costume's all torn up. Don't, Don't touch, touch me. me. I'll absorb, None of you. I'll absorb your powers. Bad touch. Bad touch. And then we get kind of like a, a real forced descript, like, I don't know, reveal where he's like, your power only works on skin. I'm made out of metal. Wait, little brother, says Storm. Your substance is a form of organic living metal. You might not be as immune as you believe. Wolverine should be like, shut up, everybody. (laughs) With this inane dialogue. (laughs) Where's that alien bozo now, Charlie? I'm itching to get my hands on him. Professor says that he doesn't want him harmed, no matter what the provocation is. Easy for you to say, bub. That little creep owes me. He splashed me in the face with water. I hate water. Water's the worst. <laughs> I'm pretty much a cat, and you know how cats feel about water. The best of the is what I do, and what I do isn't taking water in the face. Wolverine, don't swim. <laughs> and the professor says, well, they're in Man or Madison Avenue near 57th Street, but he's moving downtown, so let's let's head on down there. So now... We are at 387 Park Avenue South, the 10th floor reception area of dun, 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 Marvel Comics. Dun, 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 dun. Hey, everybody, you got those pages? We're busy creating. Bum, bum, bum. So you got Mark. I don't Grunewald. know. Grunewald. Probably. Elliot, somebody. Elliot, the assistant editor from the last page. Hey, Elliot, so how come Zebu's been in the past adventures with a long tail? You figure he wears a disguise? Maybe it's his costume. Mark, Saber, Tigers have short tails. So they're they're already talking about possibly some comic discrepancies, probably an in-joke, making fun of some of the people that write in, talking about the size of Zebu's tail. (laughs) (laughs) By day, a mild-mannered house cat. By night, Zebu, Lord of the Savage Land. Dumb, Mark. Really dumb. Well, that's not a very nice thing for an assistant editor to say. Mark, Kesar's, uh, that's Kesar's job. I should know. I write the book. And that that's uh, Mike Carlin. This is where everything for me just completely goes off the rails. <laughs> Obviously, because... Zebu runs into the Marvel offices with Ghost Rider on his back. Look, guys, we work on Marvel Universe. We have a responsibility. Yee, my pages! Kermit the Frog showed up. <laughs> Hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here, writing for Marvel comic books. Yes. Excuse me, you're not allowed in here without a visitor's pass, says receptionist Darlene Cole. And they're like, wait a minute, that was Zebu, and he has a short tail, Mark. Dun-dun-dun, comedy! Uh, Wolverine and Colossus run in and uh, Kitty phases through the floor. And uh, somebody says, when I get my hands on Claremont. This is your fault, Claremont. Kitty's talking really fast. Oh, golly, sorry about this, fellas. We're the X-Men. We're chasing criminal. We're chasing a criminal. We won't be here long. We'll try not to make a mess. We Wait for me. <laughs> that was not easy to read. It wasn't. Uh, it took me a very long time to translate all that the first time I read it. 
Uh, it looks like uh, one of the G.I. Joes is in this next panel. The guy with the beard. That's Clutch. <laughs> He's just, hey, everybody, I'm Clutch. Well, if the X-Men are here, why can't the G.I. Joes be here? Well, we're going to see Larry Hama pretty soon, so it, it, it would make sense. Um, I'm assuming this guy says, got any better ideas, Ron? So he must be Ron Lim. And this guy Ooh. says, tell him again, Rick. I don't think they're listening. Maybe Rick Leonardi. Oh, that could, is Rick Leonardi doing comic books right now? I have no idea. <laughs> he, to I'm me. I'm pulling names out of hats. Okay. Rick Leonardi seems to me to be like a, like an 84, 85 guy, but it's close. It could be. Um, yeah. So, uh, they're going to get behind Danny Crespi till it's safe, whoever he is. Yeah. And so in uh, an office, you got Larry Hama and uh, Michael Golden just, just kind of chilling, got their feet up. Just a couple of dudes having a conversation about comics. As you do. Yeah. Apparently, um, Mike Golden is going to think about moving to Florida, but it's hot there. He doesn't really know. Hey, he drew this comic. He did. And that's He's when- now officially drawing himself. That's weird. <laughs> That's when a sword drops in with, is it supposed to be Stanley's head? Yes. It's terrible drawing of Stanley's head. Well, this is, this is the young, this is like mid eighties Stanley that doesn't look like today's Stanley and doesn't look like the Stanley that we've seen in photos from the sixties. It's probably a fairly accurate photo of Stanley from the eighties mm. or not photo, but drawing. Yeah. I don't think it's maybe I and and to be fair, it's a caricature. I mean, all like Larry Hama is kind of a caricature. Yeah. Well, you've met Larry Hama. Does this look like Larry Hama? I met him 40 years from now. Well, (laughs) 30 years from now. Right. Does he look like this? I guess <laughs> a little bit. He had a hat on. <laughs> All right. So this guy, the sword with the Stan Lee pseudo head is like, where might I find your esteemed leader, Stan Lee? Hollywood says Larry Hammer nonchalantly. Not missing a beat. Uh, is that in New York? Eep. And that's when the uh, Wolverine and a very cartoony Colossus burst through the wall. <laughs> He kind of looks like Peter Griffin. He does. And a, a continued cont- cartoony Colossus. He, he kind of reels back as the Stan Lee knife turns into an airplane and flies away. Get Catch me if you can! Wolverine, no, the professor. Oh, because Wolverine, I think, wants to like, now you're going to die, which is weird. <laughs> so all of this happens, and Larry Hamill looks over at Mike Golden and is like, you were saying? They haven't moved at all. A lot of weirdos in this town, you know? (laughs) And then we switch our attention to the office of Vice President of Publishing, Michael Hobson, who's in a meeting with Heem Shooter, who is also a Veep, Marvel's editor-in-chief. Oh, yeah. Have you seen these expense report vouchers, Jim? Sometimes I wonder if all he does is mooch lunches from his editor. What can I say, Mike? Chris is a growing boy. Chris Claremont comes out and is like, hey, is that a fat joke? He doesn't say that. That doesn't happen. He keeps it up. He won't even be able to fit through the door. <laughs> yes, Lynn? Jim's needed in the bullpen. They say it's urgent. Lynn Varley? Let's sure. say Lynn Varley. Why not? 
And that's when Jim's like, this will just take a minute. I'll be right back. Him. Him. Sorry. Him says, I'll be right back. I am him. Him shooter. <laughs> and uh, this dude, Michael Hobson's like, why does it sound like famous last words? And then we get bam, wham, rip, yow, snap, chomp. And him comes in. And he's like, oh, Mike, about that problem. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile... Somebody from Marvel offices runs outside and says, Stan's in California. He hasn't been based here in years. And that's when the X-Men start talking about Stan Lee. Great, that weirdo wants Lee so bad. Let's send him out to the coast after him. That isn't fair, Wolvie. This isn't Mr. Lee's fault. Our goal is not to get rid of him, uh... Of our foe, Wolverine, much as we'd like to, but to stop this madcap rampage and regain all of the stolen property. We need to completely, instantly neutralize his power. Rogue, are you equipped to do that? Rogue's like, no, I don't want to absorb his powers. He's an alien. I've never done that before. Except for Ms. Marvel, who got her powers from an alien. But other than that, I've never done this. I understand and share your fear, says Storm. And then for some reason, oh, then she says, Storm says, but you, we have no alternative. The blazes you do. Ms. Marvel was your friend and you just want me to die. So <laughs> fine. Here I go. Party's over, imp. Goodness, it says. And there's a big zap and Rogue goes flying backwards. Wolverine's like, oh, I was afraid of this. Little creep's got power she couldn't absorbed. She, you, attacked me. She hurt me. It was no accident either. That was intentional. Boy, I am going to make her regret it. You want the lady, you gotta go through me. Snicked. If you insist, Earthling. And then Kitty comes up and says, You can have my steel for the battle. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Go ahead, monster. Do your worst. You'll find the X-Men ready for you. Why do you talk to me like that? I am no monster. Pull the other one, chump. By which I mean my leg. It's not very clear. <laughs> I think I just glazed, glazed right on by that. Uh, I'm not. Tell that to Rogue. She's passed out. I didn't mean to hurt you. It was only self-defense. Maybe this guy is Kermit the Frog. Maybe <laughs> that's how we should be reading him. I didn't mean to hurt her. I didn't want to hurt anyone. Waka waka. I mean, yay! Uh, what do you mean? And then there's a weird dialogue cover. I think it's Wolverine says, "What do you think we've been doing all flaming night?" And I guess he means playing, acting in self-defense. I'm not really sure. It's a weird, it's a weird question that seems in the middle of nowhere. I only acted in self-defense. What do you think we've been doing all flaming night? Hmm. That's weird. Playing the game. Playing the game. What game, mine hair? Why the scavenger hunt, of course. Who are you? Oh, I'm the impossible man. There you have it. It's the impossible man. Yep. Sole survivor of the planet Pop-Up. Are you angry with me? Yep. I'm sorry. I'm really <laughs> sorry. Storm senses that he is actually sincere, and she's like, oh, he's, he's as innocent as a child. He has no idea of the consequences of his actions. Well, can we get our stuff back? You bet. <laughs> I got some wonderful stuff, too. But Stan the Man would have been the best catch of all. Yeah, take us to your cash and we'll have a little talk. So they turn around and there's more people from the Marvel bullpen. Uh, Wheezy. 
We got Louise Jones, Ha-ha. Chris Claremont, the skinny and, guy, because uh, Chris, Chris Claremont Chris Claremont's in the background. He's the one oh, with the beard. Oh, he's the one in shadows. Because I was going to be like, Chris Claremont's never been a thin guy. You also have Peppermint Patty in the background. Oh yeah, that's weird. <laughs> uh, the, the skinny guy is Paul Smith. Aha. Uh-huh. And he says, "Don't look at me. I don't pencil the book anymore." What? Wait a minute. Paul Smith doesn't pencil the book anymore? Yeah, That's news to me, Adam. Well, no, it's not. He didn't pencil the last issue. He didn't? Yeah, remember? Well, he penciled half of it. He penciled like three quarters of it. John Romita Jr., I assume, just came in to help him out with the last few pages. Well, I guess uh, I guess we're breaking it to you here now. Wait a minute. <laughs> Who's going to be the new uh, penciler? I guess we'll find out next issue. Oh, I can't wait that long. I know who it is, but... Oh. All right. So, they, uh, they're they like, well, we have guests. Uh, behave yourself. We'll sort this out later. Louise says to Chris, Paul, and the rest of the boys, <laughs> which is just, God, get these Marvel bullpen people out of here. <laughs> <laughs> we ready to roll troops? No. Yeah, that's Wolverine. Uh, Zebu? Nice kitty. Nice kitty. Nice kitty. Zebu is hugging uh, Colossus for dear life for some reason. And <laughs> well, Kit- he's, he's, yeah, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> Kitty's like, would it help Marvelites if we said we're real sorry? Bye. Got an explanation, Heem? Nope. Me neither. I hate to say it, Virginia, but this month's books, this month's books maybe get out of the house a little late. So what else is new? <laughs> wah, wah, wah. You're always late. <laughs> Marvel's the worst with deadlines. Just terrible. In an advert, the saga of Kristar, Chris the Warrior, which uh, I believe the X-Men will be in a issue of Kristar coming up. And then we get uh, chapter six. Now, I gla- glazed right on by most of this when I first read it, uh, but now I notice that, uh, well, they're in the desert, there's the mansion, there's, like, uh, Galactus's ship, or whatever that big thing is, you got a boat, but then you also have the giant penny from Batman's Batcave. I'm assuming the boat is the Titanic. And then you've got the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yep. And you've got the Fantastic Car, and then I'm, oh, and then that's uh, Doctor Strange's little sigil thing. Which is almost as big as the Millennium Falcon. That's that's a pretty big signal. Um, yeah, that's funny. What's that big arrow thing that's next to the Titanic? Oh, yeah. I don't know what that is. Hmm. In three teleporting uh, motions, uh, Nightcrawler says, Unglaublich, which is he's surveying the damage as he teleports around. You can say that again, Elf. I'm guessing is Kitty Pride. Sure. Uh, somebody else. I think that's actually Wolverine who says that, because I think Kitty is the one running towards the Batman penny saying, look at all this stuff. Impy sure been one busy little critter. I'm going to say that's Wolverine. Look at all this stuff. Impy sure been one busy little critter. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> they immediately, they, they now know who he is, and he now is called Impy. Yep. Oh, Marvel. Come on. Returning these items won't be easy, will it, Professor? Uh, Impy. Assuming the impossible man lets us. Impy is like, isn't it magnif? Isn't it magnificent? This is the best collection of prizes in the universe. Yay! <laughs> Yay! 
<laughs> I got them all from friends or beings I liked. Yeah, and then we get his little backstory. Apparently, uh, the Impossible Man has been in other Marvel comics, specifically 2-in-1 number 60 and Fantastic Four number 175, if Luis is to be trusted. Yeah, I mean, this could be 2-in-1 number 50 for all we know. Right. Uh, but apparently, Galactus came and ate Pop-Up, his world, but he was able to escape with some other folks, and they wanted to settle a planet, uh, uh, but they couldn't decide who was going to be in charge. But this wasn't a problem on their planet because they were kind of like a hive mind, and nobody was in charge. They all just did what they needed to do. But when they were separated and they observed people on Earth, they're like, hey, we're individuals, and somebody needs to be in charge. But we couldn't agree. Some other items that we see on the ground, Hulk's torn trousers, uh, an original Iron Man outfit. Yeah. And uh, Kitty says, how many, how can a single woman own so many costumes? Referring to the Wasp's costumes. Do you think the Wasp will mind if I borrow some? Rogue says, uh, kid has no taste. Oh, and uh, Nightcrawler, he teleports in with Magneto's helmet. Oh, yeah. Look what I found. <laughs> Magneto's dead. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, they decided that they would come up with a game, a scavenger hunt. They'd all pick up a planet, gather as much neat stuff as possible. And I guess whoever wins the scavenger hunt is the leader. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when all the other impossible men pop in. Are you pop, pop, sure? Pop, 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 pop. I don't think those are the other. Uh, I think that's just him popping Copies oh, yeah, he's of just himself. popping all over a place. Okay, I got confused because Colossus says, uh, X-Men, we have company, but I guess that's the company on the next page. Right. I okay. did too because he says that and then you see all these pop-ups, but he's looking up, but the impossible yeah, you're, man- You're right, you're right. Yeah, is only like five foot seven or something. So yeah, he's just popping all over the place. And that's when a whole crap ton of spaceships descend upon Earth and somebody says, there he is. And that's when the doctor starts giving his speech and he says, you can come down here, but you'll have to face me. I'm the doctor. Good <laughs> luck. Ask yourself, is this planet not protected? No. Yeah. <laughs> Papapian, the hour of judgment is at hand. Uh-oh, says Wolverine uncharacteristically. And somebody definitely wants this comic to be over with because they're drawing very, very large panels. Horribly colored, too. <laughs> these these creatures are all sorts of bad colors. Well, I, everyone's running out of steam on this issue. We follow this transgressor across the galaxy, compiling a list of crimes against various worlds, blah, 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 blah. We're not amused. Uh, we'll have our retribution. And the X-Men are like, you're on your own. Because you've caused us a lot of headaches, too. A tempting thought, Wolverine, but consider the consequences. Even a minor skirmish with these, such as these, could lay waste to your world. Can I mediate? So Lilandra, she she comes out and she's like, Bothian or Bothninian, whatever. I'm Lilandra Majestrix. You know who I am. My sister's in power, but that's a story for another day. Uh, let's let bygones be bygones. We don't want to. <laughs> um well was anybody harmed no well what if he gives the stuff back was any of the stolen property damaged no <laughs> says robot guy although 
I would say that a few sentients were harmed as a direct result of Impossible Man's scavenger hunt. I would too. Him Shooter had to buy a whole new wardrobe or a whole new set of today's clothes. The Bothninian or whatever he is says, what of our pride? What a vengeance! Ooh, ooh, ooh. Let's just call them Bothans. Bothan. Many Bothan spies were killed retrieving that information. You know full well what the Papapians can do. Are pride and vengeance worth a war with them? Hmm. Mm. Good point. We accept your terms. You will never see us again. Yeah. Epilogue. Wah! It isn't fair. I didn't win. Yay! <laughs> There's sitting poolside. Uh, Lilandra's in her bikini, as she is. Uh, Ileana. Whatever. Ileana. Kitty is in a one piece. Uh, and uh, Lockheed... Oh, we forgot an important point. Lilandra said that she would choose to be whoever won. And oh. then they would return their stuff. Okay. So so Lilana chooses the victor of the, the scavenger hunt. And ah. they, all, they all agreed to that. Okay. Uh, Lockheed is sprawled out on a blanket sunbathing, I guess. Yeah, it looks like it. Come on, EMP, cut it out. You promised it, Lilandra. Don't be such a bad sport. Your price dash was a great. Someone else was greater. Thumbs the brakes. Boo, sab, hoo, sab, boo. Yay. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is with these popsicles, but they're super phallic looking. Like, there's no reason for these to be here, especially this one panel of Kitty. It's, it, it's terrible. And then the impossible man's like, what's she doing with that? Have you ever seen a bomb pop? That's what it looks like. I know, but it just the way that it's drawn here is like, it's dirty. Somebody should have chosen a different angle for this one. That's all I'm Pig, saying. Piggy, what's that you're eating? <laughs> I mean, kitty. <laughs> yeah, he's still upset. They all have bomb pops. Um, he turns into Tom Selleck. Is it good? I've never had any before. Could I try a taste? Yay! Ileana, do you see what I see? And how? Because they're they're because he's dreamy. Oh yeah, Tom Selleck is super dreamy. And uh, Lockheed's like, argh. <laughs> then we get the last panel where Kitty's doing something weird with her hands and. Well, uh, Tom Selleck, uh, Impossible Man, turns into Garfield, who has now both the bomb pops, and they're like, "This is the this folks is the ever loving, ever living end." And both Ilandra or Il- Iliana and Kitty are doing stupid hand moves. Kitty kind of looks like she's walking like an Egyptian. Yes, uh, Iliana looks like she's got jazz hands. <laughs> and Lockheed, who is very well drawn, by the way, is just kind of cowering in a corner, going. Grump, grump, grump. Yep. And that's where we rejoin our credit sequence, which we already discussed. Yes. Disgust. Good word. <laughs> this, folks, is the end of X-Men Annual Number 7 and also the end of Marvel Masterworks, the Uncanny X-Men Number 7. And Adam, did you know at the end of this, there's these really good layouts of God Loves Man Kills by Neil Adams? <laughs> oh my god no you should tell me more about those <laughs> magneto gets shot no way can you imagine what this would have been like if neil adams would have done it oh man why wow <laughs> it would have been great 
I feel like I'm having deja vu, but no. <laughs> I could talk about this every week. <laughs> yeah. It also faces or features that really horrible Wolverine pinup from Classic X-Men number 22 by Frank Miller. Do you remember that one? Where Wolverine's head is sunk too low? I wonder why they would put that in there. Uh, well, it's also featured with a number of Wolverine covers from the miniseries. So I think oh, it's just an right. homage to all things well, Frank Miller and Wolverine, I, I would suspect. Okay. But yeah, there you go. That's uh, That's it. That book is closed. Yeah, we're never coming back to that. <laughs> there is a little essay from uh, Chris Claremont about God Loves Man Kills, which I will read now. No, I'm kidding. Uh, which I have not yet read. But I've also not read the essay uh, or the interview, I should say, between Chris Claremont, Jim Shooter, and a couple other folks about the death of Phoenix, which probably is a really good read, but still haven't read it. No, we, we talked about that on the show. We talked about it, but I didn't read the – I think I just listened to what you talked to me about because oh, you, you okay. read it and I didn't. Gotcha. I don't remember. At any rate. Um, Did you read the interview where Chris Claremont talks about uh, X-Men Annual number seven? Um, I I did not. Why? How did that go? Riveting stuff. Riveting. <laughs> he thought that that was going to be the one that they turned into a movie, if I'm not mistaken. He thought it was time that he entered the comic. Yeah. Yeah. No, that Very makes... important. That makes sense. That makes sense. He's like, I don't know how much time I got left in this business, so I want to make sure I'm immortalized. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, wow, that's really you're really full of yourself, aren't you there? Well, yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, anyways, we got uh we got some communique. We got a another review on the iTunes. <gasps> boom boom boom. This one is from Disco Cub, hey. and he says, he says, exciting podcast, or exciting podcast. Adam and Jeremy have great chemistry, and they're a lot of fun to listen to. I recently went back and have been listening from the beginning, mostly in order. Sometimes pronunciations have me yelling at my iPod, but that's half the fun. My only real problem with the podcast is the lack of love for Dazzler. Dazzler is everything, and if you don't agree, that you have no taste. First of Emo all, Emojicon. I will agree, Adam, that you and I have fantastic chemistry. All right. <laughs> it's like we were brewed up in a chemist's lab. That's how much chemistry we have. Hey, don't reveal our secret. Oh, sorry. Uh, the other thing I want to take issue with, it, like we never mispronounce anything. <laughs> yeah. Ever. Every time I read <laughs> one of those uh, artists' names, I always get them right. Uh, yes. To hat is true. A <laughs> ja arami. He is not possibly right in any way, <laughs> shape or from. <laughs> and finally, <clears throat> um, the only reason we're covering Dazzler is because she is so awesome. No, that's not why we're covering Dazzler. Why are we covering Dazzler, Adam? Just because she's a mutant? Because she's relatively important. <clears throat> She'll become an X-Men. Spoilers. Uh, and I don't know. Yeah. This is like, it's a, it's an early foray. So that's the first solo mutant comic for, for all, for, as far as I know. I don't know. I think it's, 
you know, if it was later and there were like 8 billion X-Men comic books, then yeah, probably probably wouldn't be covering it. But Maybe right now there's only three or four. And, and so we're able to do, you know, side stuff. And the other thing is the reason that Dazzler doesn't get uh, a lot of airtime is because now she's bi-weekly or bi-monthly rather. So you're going to get well, less and less of Dazzler love. That's true. But that's not our fault. No, we didn't write Dazzler. Trust me, if we did, it would have been better. <laughs> it wouldn't have been bi-monthly. We definitely don't have anything against the, the character Dazzler. It's just that the comic Dazzler is not always good. <laughs> no, it's not good at all. But uh, I believe me, some of my most uh, favoritest issues of X-Men feature Dazzler. And when we get there, I will talk all about them. But that won't be for a while. Um, we also, we got an email, um, that, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was good. Um, uh, that's so cool. if you want to email us now, this <laughs> one comes from, uh, slink meal and, uh, he says, greetings from the past. He's currently at three quarters of the way through episode number 169. And thank you. He says in big, bold capital letters, even before I'm finished with this monster-sized mother. I had to stop and tell you thank you, amazing episode, unless you finished the episode with you eating cereal. This is an already an A+. Boy, he must have really been disappointed when we brought out the uh, Apple Jacks and started eating cereal at the end of that episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. You sons of guns made this crap for you to giggle at, and uh, yeah. Is, so, that, is that a Walking Dead reference? What? Eating cereal doesn't doesn't like season three or four or something of Walking Dead end with Carl on the roof eating porridge or something like that. There's definitely a scene of Carl eating cereal or porridge or something on the roof, but I don't think that's a season finale. Oh, okay. It's the end of an episode, I think. Oh, maybe it was the end of the season premiere. Oh, that could be. Yeah, I, 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 I never, I never actually saw it. I just heard about it, and I'm wondering if this joke is a reference to that, or if it's just randomness. Slink meal is pretty random, so it could go, go either way. Oh, I think it's random, like, because an awful way to end any show would just be like the, you and me crunching and slurping <laughs> on cereal. <laughs> yeah, that oh, would... Should I, if we had planned this out better, we could do that for this very episode. Yes, well, that would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you, Slink Meal. Yes, yes. As always. Yeah, and did we anything else there, Adam? Do we get any other communiques? I don't know. I've lost track. Um, if 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 we missed your email, please email it to us again. We've been just so busy with all of our uh, really really long episodes that we have kind of lost track of the mail. Um, hopefully, we got everything. Oh, eh, you don't have to send it again. I'll go through the archives this week. <laughs> it's what happens when you become super famous podcasters. You you start forgetting about the little people and you start skipping yeah, out yeah, on the emails. Yeah. We're doing all like sort of TV shows now and we've got our, we've got our own TV show coming out. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not on a network that you get. It's, uh, it's on a network in Canada that you don't get. Unless you're in Canada, then it's on a network in the U S yeah. That you don't get. <laughs> but, and by you don't get, we just do mean it's not on your level, man. Yeah, yeah. 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 Whoa. We are so deep and out there for real. So, yeah, if you'd like to get in contact with us, please feel free to do so by emailing us at dangerroom at redcapproductions.com. 
going to our website, www.xmenpodcast.com, where all of the episodes and other material are listed. There you can download, uh, and all the links are there. Uh, leave a comment, what have you. Go out to iTunes, type in Danger Room under the little search bar. We're the first one that comes up under the podcast. You can subscribe to us there. Leave us a review if you feel so. Uh, you can listen to us on Stitcher. We're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. You can follow us at Danger Room Go. Uh, you could even go so far as to leave us a voice message on our Christmas voicemail from two years ago, 501 Get X-Men. That's again, that's 501 Get X-Men. Sweet. And that's it. There's no other, there's no additional reading this month. Yeah, we're slackers. Heck, you know, like I'm tired of reading comic books. <laughs> yes, the next issue we'll be reading a novel. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's, we're going to do. It was definitely good to get an iTunes review. Review. I um, We haven't really been talking about those much, but yeah, we need more of those. Yeah. We're almost to 100. We need 100. We've got 81. 100 would be pretty sweet. I, I think uh, iTunes emails you a trophy when you get 100. Oh, I I hope so. <laughs> and by reviews, I just mean like they're, these are not all written out reviews. Some of these are just five-star ratings. We've got 81 ratings. We don't have 81 reviews. I think we have 60-some reviews, but... We're super uh, into ourselves. <laughs> we love the reviews. <laughs> we are super into ourselves. Um, and we love the ratings, too. And we want to break 100 this year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the goal in 2015 is to break That's 100. The ticket. There you go. Way to, way to, way to come up with that one, Adam. All right. Well, you have anything else? Mm, no. Well then, until next time. My name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. on the block.